Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Good People Talk, the podcast of the Good People Fund. I'm Glenn Rosencrantz of the Good People Fund. I took the subway over to Brooklyn a few days ago to talk to Kerry Brody. She's the founder and executive director of Emma's Torch. Emma's Torch is an acclaimed restaurant in the Carroll Gardens neighborhood of Brooklyn, but it's also a lab of social good and positive change. Refugees, survivors of human trafficking, and individuals seeking asylum are being trained in the culinary arts at a working restaurant. When they leave, they can gain a place not only in the very dynamic culinary industry of New York, but also economic security and positive futures for themselves, and in some cases, their families. The Good People Fund was an early supporter of Emma's Torch and proudly continues as one. For some realism, we set up our podcast microphone at the bar at Emma's Torch and jumped into a wonderful conversation with Carrie about turning her vision into reality, changing lives, and serving up great dishes along the way. Here's our talk. Carrie Brody, I am thrilled to be sitting here with you at the bar at Emma's Torch. The last time I was here, I was with a friend probably maybe six months ago or a year ago. And we had a fabulous meal, and I'm sitting at the bar, and I'm looking at the menu, and I'm just sort of wishing that it was dinner time so I can order some food here. But thank you for joining us and hosting me again here at Emma's Torch. Thank you so much for, for coming back in. Absolutely. There's a whole backstory to what's going on here before that food arrived on my table, right? Uh, just in terms of who's preparing it and what sort of skills they're learning here. This is a real socially innovative enterprise. What I love about our restaurant is that really our guests are eating our students' homework. We have, our students are survivors of human trafficking, refugees and asylees, but the second they walk through the door, they're students and they're with us for three months. And they're here to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to gain the skills to begin new careers in the culinary industry with upward mobility. So they do their training, whether it's in the classroom or actually working in the restaurant, preparing the food that our guests eat, as well as at our cafe at the Brooklyn Public Library, where they're doing barista training and learning how to do latte art and all sorts of wonderful skills that then at the end of three months when they graduate, they begin these new jobs, but it's really about careers. They're starting a new trajectory for themselves, and it's really exciting to watch that happen. But at any one time, between this location and the one at the Brooklyn Public Library, how many students are you working with? At any given moment, we have 15 students in the program. We have new students who are just starting, intermediate students who are working in our restaurant, and soon-to-be graduates who are running the cafe. And it's exciting because they're not only learning from us, they're actually learning from each other because they're all at different stages in their development. And then they go on and then we have this alumni network that can open doors for one another and create a real community out there in the workforce. And the cafe over at the library is new, so I'm taking that as a sign of real success and expansion and also new. When we opened our restaurant, we were so floored by the immediate reception that we received from our guests and from the community as a whole. And so about six months into opening the restaurant, we got a call from the Brooklyn Public Library offering us the space. And what's been so amazing for us is that, yes, that allowed us to increase the number of students that we can enroll, but it also means that, you know, that location has about a million guests a year. Those are a million people who are going to find out what Emma's Torch is about and why it's so important to welcome refugees. And so right now we keep on fielding new and new, new and more interesting requests from different places throughout the city as well as throughout the country asking us if we could bring the same type of innovative approach to their community centers. 
At Emma's Torch, we talk a lot about our mission and what will bring people back. We want people who are walking through the door who know about our mission to come for the mission and stay for the food. And then the flip side, we have plenty of people who come through the door and they just heard that we have awesome shakshuka or they know that our garden is beautifully equipped and it's a place that they want to sit. And if we can share with them our mission, that's just purely additive. But ultimately, what I love about the community of guests that we've created here at the restaurant is it's people who believe in our mission and believe that it's an extension of their values, but it's also delicious. And mm. so it's a great combination of those two things. I'm glad that you mentioned the garden. I know when we're sitting here at the end of fall, the beginning of winter, and it's not the prime time for the garden, but I did walk by it uh, over the summer and it's beautiful. It is a project that was at least in part funded by the Good People Fund a year or two ago. And uh, what a wonderful aesthetic as well as practical addition to what's going on. Keep looking at the menu because I'm a I'm, I'm little bit hungry. hungry. I'm hungry already, but I'm, it, it's such a diverse, wonderful menu. And I'm wondering what is the influence of your students in the design of the menu? Because your students are from all over the world. It is such a wonderfully beautiful rainbow. So there must be some sort of an influence in the food that you're serving. Our menu serves multiple purposes. The first is that it really has to, in some ways, be an edible syllabus for our students. They have to be learning so many different skills so that when they graduate, they can access the workforce. And so our menu is designed around specific skills. But then our, our incredible culinary director, our chef Alexander Harris, takes the approach of learning from each of our students. And so it's a combination of what are the items that we can source locally and sustainably, and then what, what's interesting and familiar to our students. So one of our, our staples on the menu is our pistachio bread pudding. Bread pudding is this dish that's very common in Southern cuisine. It's something that Chef Alex grew up with. But the flavor profile of it is actually based on baklava. So it's a way of us thinking about not only what we want our students to learn, but what types of things our students are teaching us about flavors and palettes. And that's something that we're really proud to be able to feature. What's one of the most interesting things that you have learned that you didn't know before? Because I know that you, you have your own culinary background, but this must be a learning experience for you too, not, in term, not only in terms of management, but in terms of your own, in terms of your own culinary expertise. I learn something new from our students every single day. When our students graduate, we have a big graduation dinner that our students take over the menu and they prepare dishes that for them feel authentic and real. And I think that I have had more different versions of cassava than I ever knew existed. has been one kind of expansion of my own palate. But the other thing I learned from our students is how they can apply the same concepts to different ingredients. So we have one dish that used to be on our menu called fumboa. And it was because a student of ours, it's fumboa is a braising green that's found in sub-Saharan Africa that you can't get in the United States. And so in conversation with our chef, she realized that fumboa had the same properties as collard greens. And so she was able to create this new dish, this new fumboa 2.0. And I think that that for me was really eye-opening to say, okay, we have ingredients that we've had in this country forever, but what's a new thing that we can do with them? Mm -hmm. The students here are refugees. They are sometimes survivors of sexual trafficking. They're asylum seekers. They have real stories of oppression. They're in a phase of transition here from that to something so much more positive. Is there tension there that you sense or need to address? It's a really good question. I think about exactly that tension very frequently because on the one hand, 
We are supporting our students because they've overcome what can only be described of, as the worst of humanity. But at the same time, that's not the defining characteristic of any of the individuals in our program. Our students have overcome these hardships, but they're also unique individuals with hopes and dreams. And we try and be really forward-looking here at Emma's Torch because we want to make sure that we can restore that dignity and that humanity, that the least interesting thing about them is what was done to them. I'm much more interested in what they want to do and what their, their goals are. By the time they walk through our doors, often they've been so... They've had this victimhood perpetuated upon them, and that that really can diminish somebody's confidence. And our job here is to say, we're not going to push you to do anything. Mm -hmm. You're an adult. You get to decide. You get to make a choice. And I'm constantly inspired by the resilience of our students and by their optimism and hope. I think it's, it's kind of fitting that we're talking right before Hanukkah because there's this tension around Hanukkah of do we increase the number of candles or decrease and ultimately Hillel is right that we increase because you want to increase the joy starting from this kind of small piece of joy and I think that with our students we try and be finding those small glimmers of hope but seeing how we can increase them as well. When you think across the, the spectrum of students that you've had here, what's one of the really wonderful success stories that you can think about? It's so funny. We are coming up on nearly 100 graduates since we started this crazy idea. And I think I could point at everyone and call it a success story because each of them is on a different path and a different trajectory. One of my favorite stories is a graduate of ours is somebody who joined our program and her she was a survivor of human trafficking. And her caseworker was concerned that even even finishing the program would be such a huge victory for her because of what a difficult card she had been dealt by life and, and everything she was going through. And not only did she graduate and start a job, she's actually started her own catering business and has used this newfound confidence. She goes back to the shelter where she initially sought refuge and she's a motivational speaker for them. Um, and the idea that our students are not just interested in pursuing careers for themselves or for their families, all of our students are also really focused on how can they get back to their community. We're partnering with, with individuals who can do so much more, and I'm just so inspired by that. Uh, we can't open up the newspaper or turn on the news these days without seeing some harrowing headline or news item about the plight of refugees, the treatment of refugees on the southern border. The climate seems very different today than it did when you established this Torch. Is that a correct observation? And if so, how is that affecting Carrie's head and Carrie's work? When I started Emma's Torch, the conversation that was going on was whether we would be able to accept 100,000 or 90,000 refugees into the United States in that year. As a point of reference, in October, it was the first month in recent history where the United States has welcomed in zero refugees. That has a real impact, not just on our work, but on the mentality around it. It's about the fact that that means that there are fewer social services available for refugees. It means that the misinformation is pushing people not to speak out or not to engage in the asylum process. It's difficult and harrowing, and I don't want to underplay that in any way. But we're living in a moral moment. We're a non-political organization, but our job and the job of our community of supporters and of everybody out there is to say, what am I gonna do in this moment? We have an obligation to, to speak out and to do more. We do what we do here in our tiny corner in Brooklyn, and it's 
a small drop in the bucket, but our hope is that together with other partners, we can, can do so much more. I hope that one dish at a time here at Emma's Torch, we can start to stem that tide, but we're also really worried. I love what you said, characterizing this as a moral moment. We're sitting on this little corner in Brooklyn, and this is a place of hope. Emma's Torch only exists because it's everyday people who are coming in here every day. The fact that you came in here instead of a different restaurant is living your values on a day-to-day basis. Um, during, I remember during one of the protests around the time of the refugee ban, we were marching and somebody had this banner that said, protest is the new brunch, because I think it was you know early 2017 and every weekend was another protest. Right. And I joked that actually brunch is the new protest. When people come in here, it's that exact activity of saying, you know, in my own small way, here's what I'm going to do. And there's so much bad out there, but I'm also inspired. Every time I see someone walk in these doors or do something else creative and excited about making a change. So my hope is that maybe out of this really dark period, we'll see more and more stories like that. Well, to that point, there is a lot of community outreach going on here. Not only, of course, with those who are walking in the door, as you said, but with other businesses in Brooklyn, perhaps, other nonprofit organizations and such, uh, that you're not living in a bubble here, that the effect and reach of Emma's Torch and your mission has grown beyond these four walls. Definitely. When we were getting started, well, when I was getting started, I knew that I wanted to work with the community, not in our own little silo. And so right now we have 40 nonprofit organizations that we partner with in terms of referring clients to our program and supporting one another. And then we also work with upwards of 40 restaurants who employ our students and do different activities with them. And so hopefully we can be a small part of this larger ecosystem and really amplify this impact. You didn't start out in life thinking that you would be owning and running a restaurant. Did you? You have a very very different background, (laughs) although it's arguably very related to this. You were working in the human rights sphere. You did do a bit of a career change and go to uh, culinary school, right? But what was your journey like? How did you get to this place? I could never have imagined that this would be my life, and I feel very, very privileged that it is. I grew up thinking I was going to work in public policy and politics. I was at the Israeli embassy, and then I was at the human rights campaign both of which were incredible training grounds, and I got to work with amazing people. But I'm a very impatient person, and public policy is a slow-moving boat. And so I was volunteering at a homeless shelter on my way to work, and I came up with, over the course of a few months, this really crazy idea. And I'm very fortunate that when I kept on talking about this crazy idea, my husband eventually said, why don't you do this? You keep on saying someone should do it, and why not you? And the fact that... I was able to then start building out this organization. It would have never gotten off the ground if there weren't people who were willing to go on this crazy journey with me. So I'm very fortunate in that sense. It's driven by something within. Obviously, you've got a real social consciousness. Is that informed at all by Jewish upbringing, uh, Jewish values? Where does that come in, if at all? So Emma's Torch is named after Emma Lazarus, in part because I'm a giant Jewish history nerd. I often feel like Emma's life and Emma's journey in Jewish identity have always resonated with me. She saw being Jewish as an incredible privilege and responsibility. It meant that you had to speak out when there was oppression. You had to use whatever resources you had. In her world, it was her poetry. In mine, it's 
the community who's willing to engage in this crazy idea to do something. I think that in Judaism, we talk about the world that is and the world that we need to build. Um, I love there's this Jewish story that says that God basically creates the world and then he engages in a process called simtsum, which is when he retracts a little bit to give his creation space to make improvement. Maybe that's a little bit naive, but I think that in these darkest moments, it's an opportunity for us to show to show what we can do in that void, to show what we can do when we are experiencing Tsum when we are seeing the world in this moment of darkness. Um, and so for me, at least, that's how I, how I see my Jewish identity tying into the work of Emma's Torch. What's the next bet, the next big thing? Two years ago, Emma's Torch was a crazy idea. Last year, we opened up our second location. And now we're trying to figure out what the path forward is. We are being inundated with inquiries about opening up, opening up new locations, both here in New York City as well as across the country. And we want to do that eventually. Right now, we have to be really disciplined about doing that when the timing is right and when we have the right resources in place. So we're really investing in our infrastructure right now so that we can not only focus on how can we graduate more students next year, but how can we ensure that year over year, even decade over decade, we're having the same profound impact. So it's an exciting time to be focusing on those big questions before we take any major leaps into the next big thing. Carrie, as you're talking, I'm looking at the wall to my left here by the bar, which is, I wish our listeners could see it because it's full of wooden, oversized wooden spoons with the names of funders and foundations and individuals who support this enterprise and the wonderful work that you're doing. And I do see the Good People Fund one over there. So it begs the question, what does being a part of the Good People Fund family, what has it meant to you and to Emma Storch? The scariest moment for any entrepreneur is when you have a crazy idea and you don't know what to do next. And that's where I found myself in really in 2016 and I'm very fortunate that I was connected with the Good People Fund in that moment because I got to sit down with Naomi, who had seen so many other initiatives at that exact moment and could say, it's first of all, it's going to be okay, and here's what you should be thinking about, and here are the questions you should be asking. I think often we try and find answers, but the fact that the Good People Fund was willing to take a chance on us and to see if we could take the time and use those resources to find those answers is really invaluable. It was such a pivotal pivotal moment for the organization where if we didn't get that initial vote of confidence, that initial permission to pursue this idea, I don't know if we would be sitting here at our full service restaurant two years later, and we certainly wouldn't have had the same conversations. Um, I feel very fortunate that we're not just a grantee, we're actually part of a community that's being funded. So I can call up any of these other organizations and ask for feedback and advice and just to share what's worked and what are the pitfalls we should avoid. And I, I'm really grateful for that community. Carrie, thank you so much thank you for, for this time. I encourage anybody who is listening to this to come visit and eat at Emma's Torch and support your good work. We're on the corner of Smith and Carroll. Smith and Carroll in Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn. Carrie Brody, thank you. We'll speak again. Thank you.